Hey everyone, this is Aubrey. And this is Melody. And we want to welcome you to our new podcast, Mostly Mostly Macabre. Thank you for joining us again. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. So, what's going on guys? Anything new since the last time we got together? Not you get to work much. from home tomorrow. Yeah, I'm very excited about that. Woo! No pants Monday. <laughs> it's no pants every day for That's me. Right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no pants Monday. Nice. How about you, Melody? What's new? Anything? Like, how's your job going? Good. I really like it. I actually really like my new job. Yeah, that's good. I want to quit my job, <laughs> but it's all good. That's why you, people need to keep tuning in. So. <laughs> Yeah. Follow us on Patreon so Aubrey can quit her job. <laughs> exactly. And deal with my children. I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Well, today I have a really, a story that I love. It's, um, it's a reincarnation story. It's one of my favorite ones because there's, you know, there's a few like n- notorious reincarnation stories out there. But this one, I feel is like more popular um, in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, or overseas, I guess. I wonder if I've heard it. I know. I wonder if you have too. Because, like, there are certain ones I've heard over and over again. This one I've never really heard told by someone else. Mm-hmm. Like, I read this book probably, and it's a book that I'm basing it off of, and I've watched, you know, some YouTube things, and I just did some other research. But I got the idea from the book. Um, it's about Jenny Cockell, and I read this book probably in, like, seventh grade. So I just reread mm-hmm. it again. And I read another book she wrote. She, I think she's written like three or four books. But um, I don't know. Reincarnation is a topic that I just love because for me personally, I mean, everyone has a different opinion on everything. For me, this one is like what feels right. And like not even like I don't have like a certain belief system. I feel I'm more of a spiritual person. Mm-hmm. But like for me, I, I just think it makes the most sense and for myself, I feel like it's the most scientifically proven. Out of everything else, I feel like there's more evidence to, like... For reincarnation. Yeah, I just feel like there's more stories that you hear that are like, okay, I can... There's a lot of stories. Yeah. Definitely. And it's, like, more of, And they're like, always so interesting. so interesting. And I just really like this one. And this one really, like, stuck with me. I remember reading it and being like, oh, my God, I just totally feel this. Because, like, I mean, I've had my own... I'll share some of my own little thoughts that I've had. Like, I don't know. I'm not saying that I like, oh, I totally, I can totally see where she's coming from. I'm right on the same page. (laughs) I'm definitely not. But there are certain things where I'm like, that makes, it just feels like it makes sense. Hmm. But, um, all right. So I will get started. Um, So in 1953, Jenny Cockell was born in Barnett, Hertfordshire, England. She described herself as a withdrawn and nervous child due to her unhappy home life. Um, it was fear- filled with like fear of her father, of upsetting him. And um, mm-hmm. there was like this increasing tension her, in her childhood of like between her parents that it was just a tense situation. So Jenny and her brothers and her mom kind of learned to cope with it by avoidance. Like mm-hmm. everyone kind of walked on eggshells mm. at home. So she found herself daydreaming a lot when she was in school and kind of like disassociating um, her teachers, which because she was so withdrawn, she um, 
her teachers kind of labeled her as slow or lazy, mm-hmm. which inevitably, unfortunately, so sad that it like instead of seeing her as a highly stressed child, they just saw her that way and it ended up making her hate school and she really couldn't connect with her classmates. So she ended up just hating the whole experience. Hmm. Um, she definitely didn't do well in school. So she was definitely an introvert. And she found a lot of comfort instead of socializing with her friends at school with her two imaginary um, friends, male friends that she had as a kid that she remembered that she always she could remember them as far back as she can she remember. Always had them, she always basically. had them. And she said she found a lot of comfort in them that mm-hmm. she would prefer to like be on her own. And kind of talk to her imaginary friends, friends, which is kind of a lot of kids have imaginary friends. It's Mm -hmm. really normal. But then you kind of like get into it and you're like, look at your child. Like, I'm sorry. Is that a ghost? (laughs) (laughs) But then at some point it just kind of goes away too. It does. But also kids who are like only children or really withdrawn, they, that's their way of finding like connection, Mm -hmm. you know? So it was just one of those things. But Jenny found it really hard, um, to be a child, especially with, like, she had feelings of a child and an adult all in mm-hmm. one. Um, it took a real emotional toll on her. She didn't have, like, any siblings? So she did. Her? She had two brothers. Oh. But, um, but she felt, like, internally, she felt that being a child was hard because she felt like a child, but she also kind of felt like an adult. Mm-hmm. It was, like, this conflict inside. Um and she also had these memories that she could, as far back as she could remember, she would have these memories of another family, which when she was young, she thought was normal. And she knew like deep down that, cause she's from England, but she knew that she had another family and they were from Ireland. Hmm. She felt this way from the time she was real small, like all through school. And like when she was a little bit older and she got to school, she, um, she decided that like, she was so sure that she felt like she was from Ireland, that she thought, okay, if I look at a map, mm-hmm. I'm sure I can pinpoint where I'm from. Like, like whatever this is that she feels inside. So she found a map at school and um, of Ireland, but it wasn't, like, super detailed. It was an atlas in her book, like mm-hmm. her school book. And she just opened it up, and she said that she just kind of, like, took a minute, and she would look at it, and she was drawn to this... Um, place this little village called Malahide and every time that she would open it like that she just felt a real strong pull toward that part of the map so she felt pretty confident like I think I was from Malahide which again so weird and wild and it's like okay not only did she have these like feelings and memories but when she she had this reoccurring dream again as far back as she can remember she had this reoccurring dream that she would be laying in a hospital bed and um, she was laying, in, like she was laying in bed in a hospital, and like she remembers the room very vividly, where there was a big window and a lot of light coming in, and she had a really hard time breathing, and she was in a lot of pain, and she would have this dream over and over again, and like when she was lying in bed, she knew that like she was away from home, and that she um, she just she just like had this feeling like of guilt and worry and she was like really stressed and she just kept thinking about her children and she can't really explain this but she was asleep mm-hmm. and then when she'd wake up you know she had this dream and then like she would wake up crying because she'd be like so concerned that she'd be like 
she'd wake up crying and be like worried about the kids but she, kids mm-hmm. that she had didn't have in her dream oh, that okay. she knew like she just knew that when she she'd have this dream of laying in a bed feeling guilty that they were not old enough to take care of themselves and she knew she was dying and then she mm. would wake up and she would just cry even as a little girl this feeling that guilt and wondering oh my god what happened to the kids so it's like a that's weird so straight yeah and that she would just sit there and cry about it it's so sad she also like um as a mother i'd be like I wouldn't know what to do. Yeah, but she also didn't just dream these things. She also, like, in everyday life, she would have these memories, like, that mm-hmm. would just come to her, or she would just have these, almost like a, um, she would just know things, or just, like, remember. It was almost like having a dual life, mm-hmm. hand in hand, where she was this little girl, but she was an adult, and she remembered both. And um, she would draw these maps, like, as early as four years old, and she would draw the town that she lived in and she would mark these maps with like the church and her house where her house was and a butcher shop that she remembered and she would like tell her mom about it and she remembered like walking down a path or like a um, a road and she would remember her house and she would remember the hedges and like all the trees and like how that was like there was how the hedges were, like, really uncomfortable. Like, if you wanted to lean on the wall, mm-hmm. that it would have to be an uncomfortable position. Like, these very detailed memories. That like, she would, little nuances. Yeah, that she just had, even as a child. She remembered the house that she lived in and that, that there was a vegetable patch near it and that there was also, like, a, a stream nearby. So she could like, see it. and Like, she could totally see it. Like, she could see herself walking and doing all these things. And, um... She remembered the layout of the house. She knew when she walked in that you had to kind of like move to the side to get in. And then like that it was a one-story cottage that had two bedroom, two rooms and that the kitchen was off to like the right and like it went from the front to the back. And she remembered spending a lot of time in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Like she had like a, like she would talk about this stuff with her mother as like a small child and like have all these details. Like she just, mm-hmm. it was so strange. Yeah. And um, she took all these things that she remembered, like, she would mimic in her childhood play. So she would remember, like, making bread. Mm -hmm. And she would mimic that in her play when she'd, like, she'd go outside and she'd get, like, different ingredients and, like, do the hand movement. Like, she was, like, kneading the bread. Um, Her mom usually, they had a lot of carpet, so her mom vacuumed. Her mom didn't really sweep, but she preferred to use a broom. And she would go out to her garden shed and she would, like sweep the garden shed like mm-hmm. like she re- like how she said that she felt was right like that w- that she remembered like how she remembered herself doing before she also really had um she liked to tidy up everything and like organize her toys a mother's dream a mother's dream <laughs> more than playing with them she she described it as like neurotically so because she just liked to tidy things and like keep the house uh-huh. and all that like she just remembered doing it, and she felt comfortable doing that more than playing with her toys. So, um, what does her mom think about all this? Her mom's supportive. Mm-hmm. So, like, she also remembered, like, as a little girl back, she was born in 53. So, the style back then, like, little girls wore short dresses and skirts above the knee. And she always felt super uncomfortable. So, she always felt that her dress or skirt should be just below the knee. She also would always roll her sleeves if she had longer sleeves to like 
her elbows. She just felt like that's where they should be. That was her comfort. Like that was their style that she felt mm-hmm. comfortable with. So that was always really out of nowhere. Like back in the sixties, little girls wore tiny little dresses and like, they were so cute. You know, that just wasn't the style, but she mm-hmm. felt more comfortable that way. But the strongest memories that she had, like she knew her name was Mary. Like she would tell, like she would talk to her mom about it. She even laying in that bed, like when she'd have that dream, she mm-hmm. knew that her name used to be Mary. That's a big and that, deal. And that she remembered her children. She remembered she, her name was Mary and that she had children. And she felt like this, just longing for them. Even as a child, she felt worried about them. She so, didn't know what happened to them, though, at this point? No, no. This is when she's still young. She doesn't fully know anything. She just, this to her at this point, was normal. She thought everyone kind of felt this way. It wasn't until she got older that she realized this was something that everyone feels Mm -hmm. but she just remembered almost like i said before the dual life like she remembered she knows who she is but she also remembered who she was but she didn't realize not everyone could do that Mm -hmm. so her strongest memories were of her children and it was mainly like their personalities she didn't know the specific details of them she didn't know like I had this many kids, but she had a sense that she had about eight. She just had a feeling like she felt like she had eight children. And she remembered that her oldest boy was probably around 13. And she remembered their personalities more than their specific details, like their names. names. She didn't remember names, but she remembered like who they were at like at the core pretty much, Mm -hmm. which most mothers, you know, your children, like you just know them. So she knew that her oldest boy was around 13, very confident and straightforward. Um, he was like not af- he wasn't afraid to be gentle and he had a really good judge of situations. She remembered her oldest daughter being really quiet, very patient, very helpful. She had a memory of her like she had a specific memory of her going and getting water from like um, a pump or like a spring. She would remember like she just would have these flashes of, like, memories. But deep down, she just felt like she really knew them. And she knew that she was really smart and really good at school. And she had, mm-hmm. like, she had high hopes that she'd be, like, a nurse because she, like, wanted her to do better because she knew how smart she was. Um, she felt a lot of guilt about her because she knew that, like, when she was lying in that bed dying, she felt very guilty toward her because she knew that she'd be stuck caring mm-hmm. for the younger children and that she wouldn't be able to focus on school and that it would hold her back. So that was part of that like huge guilt that she felt about leaving mm. her kids. She recalled a couple, like two more boys, the older of the pair being very energetic and funny, like with a good sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And the slightly younger one fell right in with him, like they were always together. And he was quieter, but a little secretive. Like, they were both, like, jokesters, but Mm -hmm. that, you know, like, they had their own little personalities. But she could remember all that really well. Um, She remembered having a little girl that she felt was around five years old. She had blonde hair, blue eyes, and was very feminine. And as a child, she had a doll that she always had, and she named it Elizabeth. And it had blonde hair and blue eyes, and she just felt like she would always make sure, like, she just loved that doll. That was her number one doll. She, I guess it like had interchangeable eye colors and she always Ooh. kept it on the blue mm-hmm. with the blonde hair she loved. Um, I feel like I would have liked that as a kid. I know, me too. Because <laughs> I always wanted, bl- I remember, you know, me being Portuguese, I've got dark hair, dark eyes, and I always wanted blonde hair. Every time we went to the like 
CVS or like a like a drugstore, mm-hmm. I would go to the hair dye section and play with the blonde hair, <laughs> like the fake hair. <laughs> I just always like dressing up my Barbies in like different outfits. Or like if I could have changed their eye color, that would have been really cool. Yeah, <laughs> I would have just ripped out a marker and been like, "You're gonna be blue now." <laughs> <laughs> She also remembered, like, another boy that was really young that he would always fidget with his jacket. She remembered him always running his hand. She'd always have this memory of him running his hand around along the hem. Mm. And that he was um, very shy and kind of, he liked to keep to himself. And that she would always want to be very affectionate with him, but she knew he was uncomfortable with that. Hmm. Um, she also felt that there was one more child, that there was like a, a young baby, but she didn't have a lot of details. She just always felt there was one more after the little boy. So a lot of it, like she had memories and flashes of like these things, but she also had like, it was like not just images that told her, she also had like a gut instinct that mm-hmm. like would just make her. This is a lot to take on as a mother. Like, if my child is telling me all of these details. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, but she, I'm sure it didn't come out like, like I'm saying it, like I'm just spilling it mm-hmm. out. She, you know. Like little by little. Little by little, it would come out here and there, you know. As she got older, she felt the need to hold on to the memories of Mary in the small town that mm-hmm. she remembered. The, the feelings toward Mary and those children just grew stronger and it gave her like a sense of purpose. Like mm-hmm. she just felt very responsible. Even though she was living her own life, she still felt very responsible for like that other life that she lived. Mm-hmm. Um, but also in that she realized she wasn't really growing into her own personality properly. Like that she was hanging on to it. Mm-hmm. And that she felt that a lot of things that she felt from the past were affecting her in her present day life. So she really found herself like subject to a lot of mood swings and she had really bad depression bouts for like that would last her like a month. Mm-hmm. And that's something that like went on with her for like the rest of her life. But she would just go into these bouts of depression. She really struggled with that. And then she'd come back around and, you know, and then it would happen again. Mm-hmm. She also found it hard to have relationships with men. She felt that she just felt really like. She felt a lot of fear and misunderstanding in her relationships, and she felt like it was more than what it should be. Mm-hmm. And knowing that she had a tough relationship with her father, she figured, okay, like that's probably she had a tough relationship with her current father. Her current father, yeah, because like like I said in the beginning, like they felt very. It was like a her parents had didn't have a good relationship, and eventually they did end up divorcing. Mm-hmm. But um, so she knew part of her feelings feeling that way was probably because of her relationship, her current relationship with her father. But she also wondered if her past relationships had something to do with that, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, she actually had memories of Mary's father and knew that Mary had a good relationship. It was a very happy relationship. And she was like, she really liked her dad, but she also had memories of Mary's husband that she found, she could remember her husband in the early years before children, but she had a really hard time recalling anything later. Like when she had memories of her and the kids, mm-hmm. he was not really around. But she would always have this sense of, um, she was very uneasy. Mm-hmm. But she knew he was alive, but she never really had a lot. So she kind of wondered, like, maybe there was something there because she couldn't recall an actual incident. Mm-hmm. 
So she wondered if that had something to do with why she felt the way she felt even now. Probably. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. She could remember that, like, the Mary's husband, in the early years, he was a good-looking, impressive, and um, he was a good-looking, impressive man who was an outsider to where she met him. He was Irish, but not from the area that she was from. Mm. Um, he had a good job. She remembered that he worked with timber and, like, on roofs. And at the time, it was, like, a, a very prideful job. Like, you, it was something to, you know, be proud of. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, like, a... A terrible job. It was something that was like, you know, he was very skillful. He had to be good at it. She did remember that he was a soldier, and she thought it might have been World War I, but she didn't know. She just had this feeling. Um, he was a quiet man that didn't discuss his feelings, and she remembered just feeling like he was the center of her world. But then as the years went on, and she had memories of Mary older, she couldn't really see him in it she just had so as she gets older she's getting more memories of mary um well i meant older as in like her memories of mary being older she could remember like she could remember times with her husband like before they had kids but then when the memories she had with her children he was not around but she does remember feeling a lot of anxiety and fear but she didn't know why Mm -hmm. because she didn't have a memory of like what would cause it and she also realized that in her like her dream that she would have, that memory she had of her dying in the hospital bed, that her worry and her thoughts were 100% on the children. And he didn't even cross her mind. Like, when she was having that dream, she was just worrying, like, what's going to happen to the kids? Like, she felt that strong guilt toward leaving her kids and knowing that they weren't going to be okay. Mm. But she never remembered feeling, having any memory of, like, or any thought about her husband. She figured, like, maybe if I had a clearer sense of what happened, maybe I could, mm-hmm. you know, move maybe forward. Maybe they were separated? I mean, she just felt like, because she, she didn't know, she just felt like if she could remember or have a clearer sense that maybe she could understand why she has a hard time now. Because she, you know, she could kind of touch on what happened with her dad. Mm-hmm. But still, like, even, like, addressing those issues, she was still feeling other feelings that she didn't understand. So she thought maybe it's because of the past. Um, Eventually, she did end up meeting somebody, and she did get married, and she described their meeting as fate making a better choice for her than she had ever made, which I thought was really (laughs) sweet and cute. Um, He knew all about her memories as Mary, and it didn't bother him. He accepted it as just part of her, and like it wasn't anything weird. This took a really big toll on her life. It really did. I mean, it followed her, Mm -hmm. like she said, all the way through her life. Um, And I think she also mentioned how she felt really lucky to find her husband because, like, he didn't judge her. Because you gotta remember, this is like the eighties, and like. Yeah, the 80s. This takes place between 80s, early 90s. So people were not super open to reincarnation or having these other memories. They would just think you're a lunatic. So she felt, like, so blessed to have her husband, you know, like, that he just was totally like, all right, whatever, I take your word for it. (laughs) If you Um, say so. If you say so, exactly. So eventually she became a... A podiatrist, and her and her husband bought this cottage in Northamptonshire, England, and eventually they had two children. When she became a mother, she said that that was the greatest joy of her life, that she just felt so complete, that that's when she like finally felt like that was her purpose. Mm-hmm. Even more than her job, she even she took time to like 
she took more time off work to be more of a like at home mom. She still worked, but just not as much. Mm-hmm. And that her family was like her number one priority. Like absolutely, that was what she was meant to do. And then as she got older, because she became a mother, she felt she would think about Mary mm-hmm. and those feelings, and she started to understand them more. And she understood as a mother, like. She knew, as a mother, she hated leaving her kids for even a few hours, never mind the idea of permanent separation. So she started Hmm. to identify with Mary on a different level, like more of an adult woman and a mother. As when she was a kid, she just felt all these feelings that she couldn't process, you Mm -hmm. know? Which, if you think about it that way, is like, that's intense. That's a lot, not just for, like, a parent of that child, but also being that child, like... You can't process all that. Because mm. I remember after I had my kids being like, oh, I get it now. Like, <laughs> I know how much I love my kids, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so that really triggered a lot. Having kids, becoming a mother, triggered more feelings and more emotions. And also more of a connection with Mary, which became stronger. She also knew, like, the feelings that she had about like leaving her kids she also had full confidence in her husband that if she had to go away for a few hours that he was completely competent enough to take care of the kids and it made her feel secure which triggered her to think why did mary not feel that way Mm -hmm. and still made her question like what was that all about she just remembers having she has so much empathy towards this character that she believes that she was in a past life because it's not a character to her it literally is it's almost like living in parallel universe where she remembers both like she feels and remembers everything but she also has she knows who she is so she's thinking all these thoughts of like why and you know like all these thoughts but yet still having that flicker of the past where Mm -hmm. she still feels like yes that was me but this is also me it's so weird it's hard to it's hard to explain yeah it's hard to try and put myself in that position yeah so the more that she like understood mary's intensity about and her distress about leaving her kids the more she felt like this intense feeling to figure out if this of these thoughts and feelings were real so like what happened to her exactly she kind of wanted well she also felt like she truly felt it was real but then also she wanted like she never had any proof yeah so she was like am i a lunatic you know like am i crazy or is there a way to but in that urge to really clarify it became stronger along with her like becoming a mother Mm mm-hmm which makes sense because mary's identity was being a mother it was what it seemed like So she started actively looking into her memories, like writing them down and trying to figure out if if they were real Mm -hmm. and wondering if they were real, could she, you know, look up the children and find out what actually happened to them. The lifelong question that she's had is what happened to the kids. So she went to her local bookstore to see if they had a more detailed map of Ireland and she brought the maps that she had as a child. Now, she asked him if he had a, a map of Malahide, that village she felt so drawn to. She told the owner of the bookshop why she wanted that map and was really surprised that he didn't act, like, weirded out or anything. Mm-hmm. She was, like, kind of like, okay, like, he's going for it, and he ordered her the map. So when the map came in, he called her, and she brought the maps that she drew as a child. Mm -hmm. And they sat there together, and they looked at those maps and realized that comparing the map that she drew as a kid and the maps that he ordered 
match up almost identical. That she hmm. had literally mapped out landmarks and um, the position of the map of where North was facing was accurate to the map that he showed her and what she drew out. Hmm. Yeah, and that um, it was almost the distance between the roads were almost like exactly to scale. So they were like, even he was like, this is wild. Like I was drawing like a little house and a sun in the corner when I was a kid. Not <laughs> Oh, yeah. But that's exactly it. That's what makes you go like, because anyone can coach their kids or like, you know, there are mm-hmm. different things where you're like, oh, kids just talk crazy because they do. They have imaginary friends and they mm-hmm. do just come out with some stuff. But when your child is drawing a map that seems to be like, I can't draw a good map now and I'm in my <laughs> no. 30s. Never mind like at four. I was not drawing a map. <laughs> so, did you already say where she got the name Mary from? She just knew in her head. She like, knew it was, what was kind Mary. Of, she didn't have, um, like, no one called her Mary. She just kind of like instinctively knew that her she name felt was like a Mary. Mary. Yeah, mm-hmm. like her name was Mary. Also on the map, she would write "Road to the City," and like the road on the map that she matched up was the road leading to um, Dublin, Ireland. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's a big city yeah. that, like, also made them go, oh, my God, this is so accurate, you know? Freaked them out. Now, she, with that, it gave her enough confidence to be like, okay, my, I'm not a lunatic. This is, a re- this is the real deal. Like, maybe there's something to this. So she decided she wanted to try to look into it more, but she didn't know Mary's last name or the name of the children. Like, she didn't have a lot of information about it. So she felt like kind of like she got stuck mm-hmm. at a dead end. Like, this is as far as I can go because I don't have much more. I'm sure there were a lot of Marys. Yeah. So she started, exactly, especially back <laughs> then, Mary was like, I think even now it's like number one name. Like everyone, especially then, was named Mary or Sarah, biblical mm-hmm. names. Yeah. So she decided to start reading more. She just was interested more about learning about reincarnation and just as she read about reincarnation she read more about psychic abilities because she was just kind of curious like just trying to educate herself more and along the, you know around that time she also started taking a martial arts class which she kind of connected with because of the understanding of like the spirit and chi which is like your inner energy you know mm-hmm. like it's all connected kind of she felt like that was something that she was more drawn to and then one night when she after the class she was talking to her instructor she was telling him about her memories and like her experiences and as they started talking she asked him if she could if he could give her something to hold because she was talking about different abilities that she felt that like Mm -hmm. she had and he gave her a, a, a pair of keys so as she held the keys she started to describe um the inside of his van and not just like the typical look of the van she was describing like details of the inside like she told him that was there was bare metal by the handbrake like where carpet should be and like hmm. she had no way of knowing like the intricate details of the inside of his van cuz she had never been inside his vehicle so he was like blown away. She's a witch. Yeah, he was blown away by it, but he believed her. And that's like important, mm-hmm. you know, because it's weird, you know? It's yeah. totally like out of the normal, especially again, remember this is like the 80s or 70s, 80s. He became get excited about it. Like he was totally into it. And he um, told her that was something called psych- wait, psychometry, 
which is like when you touch an object, mm. you pick up energy from it. Because she didn't even know what it was called. She was just talking to him about her memories and like just different feelings she had. And like he informed her of that. So coincidentally, his wife actually had a, a friend who was a teacher who was working on her degree and she was writing a thesis and she needed people with psychic abilities to do an experiment on for her thesis. So she became part of this scientific experiment. Like it just kind of fell into place, Mm -hmm. which again, you got to think about like science, how these these things just happen. Yeah. So it kind of just fell into place and they did these, um, they started doing these scientific studies where they tested out her abilities and they would do it while she was connected. Like they gave her, I know the person, the teacher that was doing these tests gave her like, I think it was like a piece of wood or something. I can't remember exactly. And she held it and she told her, I feel like I'm up high and I feel like I'm in a barn. And it was a piece of wood that she took from a beam Mm -hmm. from a barn like up high and she was like okay so then they ended up like hooking her up like to like it's not an ecg it was like kg it's not ekg it's something more intricate it was called a um electro electrocephalogram or something like that that sounds right it's basically a device that it records electric like your electrical activity in your brain but it's more intricate than like a ECG where an ECG kind of like if you're having a seizure and having abnormal like abnormalities Mm -hmm. it will pick up on it but this is something like a little bit more detailed Mm -hmm. and as they gave her different things to hold they could see it spiking as she was like talking and like holding different things so Mm -hmm. they did like an actual scientific experiment on her to see if like that was something that was real also finally that teacher like she also had a friend who um whose hobby was hypnotic regression so as they were like as she was working with her Mm -hmm. she told him about her and told her about him and they decided to get together and in january of 1988 she started meeting with him to undergo hypnosis Mm -hmm. to see if maybe she could remember more things um so his hobby is hypnosis. Yeah, I know. I'm like, imagine being like, my hobby's hypnosis, but get the fuck away from me. <laughs> my hobby is it also chemistry? You gonna put chloroform over my face? Like, <laughs> I know. What a strange hobby. Our hobby is podcasting and talking shit. Yeah, exactly, exactly. My hobby is watching Netflix. So I'm really contributing to the world. <laughs> um. Yeah, so basically, uh, his hobby was hypnosis, so they started meeting, and he, and it, I guess he was doing more of a research on, like, regression, mm-hmm. and past life regression, seeing how, you know, just, it was his own thing. So, he brought her back, he put her under, and he brought her back to her own childhood, and asked her to describe, like, her first day of school, and the bus that she rode, and then he brought her further in time, and told her to go back to a time before she um was herself like he just kept bringing her back and back and back and finally she found herself as mary but like a mary that she never had a memory of she remembered mary like a young mary Mm -hmm. and she was talking and she said like as she was talking she could she was conscious of what was going on but it was almost as if she was watching like sometimes when she would she was mary as he brought her back, but when her voice would talk, she was Jenny. 
Mm. Because hypnosis is weird like that, where you're still mm-hmm. technically conscious, but you're going back or whatever. So it was a Mary, like, before she had children, before she was married. She could smell the grass. She could see herself cleaning and um, starting a fire. Life was good and simple at this right? time. <laughs> and he asked her what year it was, and she pl- replied 1915. He asked her how old she was, and she said she was 17. She described the house that she lived in. She said that she was working for the family with um, the last name, the Letts family, that she worked in their household, mm-hmm. and that she described what her house looked like, and she described her father and her two brothers, which, if you think about, she had as a child two male imaginary friends. So mm-hmm. there's that connection. I'm just saying. She talked about her father. She talked about her two brothers. Then he asked her to go to the year 1919, and she described what she was wearing and what she was do- and to describe what she was wearing and what she was doing. She described that she was wearing a um, wool skirt down past her knees. That she wore a shirt, like a blouse that was rolled up to her sleeve, her mm-hmm. elbows, which is the same way she felt she should be wearing. Like that's the how same- she felt comfortable dressing. Exactly. So she felt comfortable as a child like that, and that's what she was wearing. Um, she described that she was with her husband and that he was a nicely dressed man, but a little distant and arrogant. <laughs> she described the feeling of drifting and then felt like she was in another time. And then she was talking about Mary's life while she was in Malahide. So she felt adrift, like she was drifting. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden she had, she was in another time where she was talking about living in Malahide. She talked about the church that she remembered, the butcher shop. She described seeing a wedding. See, like, as she was describing these things, it wasn't like she was just telling, you know, like, A, B, C, D, E. Like, it wasn't Mm -hmm. so detailed and orderly. It would be pieces. Like, sometimes she'd remember a wedding, but she didn't know whose wedding. Is it her wedding? And he'd ask, is it your wedding? She'd be like, no, or I'm not sure. And he said, what's the name of the wedding? You know, like, sometimes it was fuzzy, even Mm -hmm. though she was... She said that she was looking at it. She could see it, but sometimes she couldn't always verbalize it. Mm-hmm. And that she was at a wedding, and um, she didn't think it was hers. So he asked her, what's the name of the wedding? And she said, O'Neill. So that's the only name they got, because she didn't have Mary's last name. Mm-hmm. He asked her if she knew her husband's name, and she said, Brian. But even as she said it, she felt like, I don't think that's right. Mm-hmm. You know, like she felt, mm-hmm. even though I, like, because you can get, under hypnosis, they say that you can be, you're connected with whatever it is you're, you know, in the past, but also your present influences you. So she kind of felt like she said the word, the name Brian, but she also felt like that wasn't right. Then she described another time, like he went a little further back and she described a little girl that was with her. And she said that she was born, he asked her who the little girl was, and she said that, and he asked her when, uh, and she's like, she's already described the little girl, and he, she said that she was just a little girl with her, and she was born on February 4th, 1922. So we get a birthday out of her. Hmm. Yeah, so then she woke up. Maybe and, this will help pinpoint Yeah, well, that's what she was hoping for. The whole point of her agreeing to all this is because she wanted to try and see if there was any way to get more detail because she was stuck. Like she wanted, she felt confident in those maps that were like, all right, I feel like this really is something and I'm not just a lunatic. But then when she 
but she didn't have enough detail. Like she had she these memories. She needs to confirm. Yeah. yeah, like and I like the way I said, like I broke down like how she felt about the kids. But this is over years and years and years, and it came to her in pieces. It didn't come to her in like a movie, you know. Like mm-hmm. she just kind of put this all together over time. I imagine her mom like going into work like. Well, now my kid said her name's Mary. Well, now my kid said that she had two boys. Yeah. She doesn't like to wear her skirts. And she talked to her mom about it a lot. Like she did say that her mom was like, thank God for her mom because her mom was her rock. Like her mom, she remembered going to church as a little girl and Mm -hmm. like they were talking about um, death and what happens after death, like heaven and stuff. And she remembers sitting there. She was very, because she was very quiet. She Mm -hmm. didn't say it out loud, but she was like, but what about your other lives? Because mm-hmm. she remembers thinking that because she thought everyone thought that. So when she got home, she asked her mother, mm-hmm. you know, she told her mom what they learned. She's and, like, they're wrong. And she was like, but they're not, but what about our other lives? And her mom, she said her mom handled it so well. And her mom was like, well, that's more of a belief that some people have, but not everyone believes that. So that's when she had that realization of, oh, I'm different. You know, mm-hmm. and it made her feel insecure, but because her mom was so supportive of her, she felt a lot of trust in her mom, and she always shared her, luckily, she always shared her thoughts and memories with her mother. Mm-hmm. So her mom just, like, whether she believed it or not, she just, she accepted it, and she talked about it with her, and so she's a good mom, even for back then, because, you know, you could be yeah. like, my kid's a lunatic, you know, like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, oh, no, I got to call She needs to be institutionalized. Exactly. So, she, it, and it made her, you know, gave her a sense of security that she felt comfortable enough to tell her mm-hmm. mom about those things. So, because she felt insecure even remembering and then learning that not everyone does that made her like, like, oh, God, what's wrong with yeah. me? You know? So, and she was already introverted because of it. So, so she kept going to sessions and as she went to more and more sessions, she learned, you know, she would just recall more more detail, more intimate details of like times with her and the kids. She remembered a with time. With the same hypnosis guy? Yeah, she kept going back with him because he, here's the thing, the funny thing, it kind of worked out for her because like this teacher, she was writing her thesis. So like it helped her, it was like quid quo pro, like it's like this for that. Like mm-hmm. it helped her out in her own journey and it also helped them out in what they were doing. So when she met this guy, he was doing research on like hypnosis and like past life regression and she also you know, wanted to like do the same thing. So it kind of just, luckily it just fell into her lap and worked out again. Does anything ever really fall into her laps or is it fate? <laughs> you know? So know. she had this memory of the kids coming to her. She remembered being Mary in the kitchen, the kids running in excited and telling her that they had caught a rabbit cause they would set traps. And when they got out there, she remembered saying it's still alive and like in when she was under hypnosis, she actually said aloud, "It's still alive." She knew what was going on because she could see the scene in her head. But her, but the, you know, the therapist was like, mm. all he heard was, "He's still alive." So like she would have when she she would wake up and take notes and like kind of like describe what she saw. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a memory that she had while she was under hypnosis. Another one she remembered like stuffing a mattress i guess with straw that's how they stuffed mattresses i guess at the end of the year Hmm. like that sounds like it would be pokey yeah but back then i guess that's what they did they had mattresses and what they did they stuffed them every year with like fresh hay or whatever Mm -hmm. it's called and then like she remembered overstuffing it and her and the kids trying to bring it back into the house and like laughing and trying to get it in like really intimate 
moments she started to have these memories of that like if she ever did find the kids like how would you ever know these things you know would the kids be alive technically yeah because i mean she remembers oh then she finally like he brought her back again and again and one of the memories he brought her back to her death and made her go through the steps and Mm. talk about that memory that she had and he found out that they found out she was 37 years old and the year was 1932. Oh, so young. So again, though, but that gave her more detail of, okay, mm-hmm. I got the name Mary. I've got the year, 1932. You know, like she's... Something to track herself down Now she's down narrowing with. it down more. She's got a town. She's got a name. She's got an age. She's got a year. So now she can try and find all these pieces. Like that was her whole goal is just to get more and more mm-hmm. that she can narrow down to see if it's real. Um but she felt like when she said the name O'Neill, when he asked her, that she didn't, like, kind of like when she said Brian, she didn't feel that maybe that was accurate. She kind of had a feeling like she wasn't sure, even mm-hmm. though she said O'Neill. So she decided to get a phone book and write to all the O'Neills in, the, in that area and just see if, you know, see what happened from there on. She sent a copy with her, um, of the maps that she drew as a kid and she sent that with a letter that she sent out. So she just went down the phone book and sent them all out. And this How is how many like, do you think that is in Ireland? In Ireland there's probably a lot, a lot of O'Neills. O'Neils. But she also exactly, and she also <laughs> narrowed. But she narrowed it to that Malahide area section. Yeah, she mm-hmm. just because she wanted to see if anyone was related to a family that had eight kids. Which again, Irish, <laughs> Irish Catholic. That's all of them. Um, the name Mary. That's all of them. <laughs> So she was just trying to see if she could narrow down more yeah. details. And she also shared certain things like she kind of wrote the letter as if she was looking for family. She didn't want to say, I had these dreams. And, you know, like she didn't give out all of that information. Mm-hmm. She just wanted to see if people knew how she could find this family. Yeah. Which, I mean, is smart because I don't even know if I would have thought of that. I mean, now we're just like Google. <laughs> so it was a lot of legwork that she was going into. She also contacted... Um, a church to see if they had any, like, because the churches had baptism a lot of baptism records, baptism right? records, marriage certificate. The church had mm-hmm. so many, you know, that's where you went to get all those documents. So she kind of looked up a church in that area and she was trying to reach out to see if there was any Mary O'Neill that had this many children and just seeing if they could find anything for her. Did she just pick a random church or was no? Because she had a she church. Remember, church. she had that map she drew and then she located Malahide and then she found that okay she was her gut instinct about Malahide was right because they could match up their streets and Mm -hmm. then she kind of like she just kept narrowing down like she was trying to find more and more that like she had that small area so it's not like she was like Ireland let's do all the (laughs) now she had like she was chipping away at the details to try and narrow it down she was getting frustrated waiting for the letters so she started to call the O'Neills that she like wrote to and one of the men that like one of the people she talked to a man answered and he had actually responded quite positively and he said that he was actually asking around mm. to find out some information he just hadn't written back to her yet because he was trying to like he un- understood the assignment he, he understood the seriously. assignment he took it seriously and he was on a mission so they talked on the phone and um she asked him if he remembered any like family with that name and he said that he didn't mind helping her out and doing some more research and he also had that hand-drawn map to try mm-hmm. and like narrow things down at so, this point he doesn't know that it's because she feels no, he like only she thinks is that she's looking for family but because, 
because he was so like helpful and willing to help, she felt guilty. And she's like, well, I feel like I need to tell him why. Mm-hmm. So she told him the real reason. She told him about her dream. She told him, like, I drew that map just from a dream I had. I've, you know, like, and she thought, oh God, this is the make or break. Either he's going to mm-hmm. help me or he's going to hang up and be like, what a freaking Looney Tune. And his response was, you're joking. And then, like, she felt really embarrassed. Mm hmm. And, like, wasn't sure if he was going to help her, but, like, he called, like, he was, like, just surprised. And then, like, a few days later, she was starting to think, like, oh, God, I scared him. He's not going to call me. And he called her back. And he had done some more research. Ooh. And he told her, like, he was so excited because he was kind of skeptical, but he was mm-hmm. also so intrigued, which is what caught, that caused him to, like, yeah. put a little foot, like, you know, a little more work into it. And he called her back and said that he actually located those areas, like the actual streets. He went and walked, you know, like found mm-hmm. everything directly. Because, again, it wasn't just like, it was a whole area she was reaching out to people. So he might not have lived right next door to that. So he found it for her. And um, he decided to send her a local phone book from that area. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was like super cool of him. And she decided to, like, narrow it down and look at the street that she finally had the name of the road. Because she didn't have the name of the actual road. Before. And he gave her the name, like, Swords Road or whatever. Because he, broke again, broke mm-hmm. it down even more to a smaller area and gave her the phone book. So she went into the phone book and started writing to people all on that street that she knew that, she was li- that Mary lived on. Asking if anyone had lived there in the, 30, the 20s or 30s. And if they remembered a family mm-hmm. with a woman named Mary that had... That had around eight children. Like she gave the details that she had, and she was she wanted to see if anyone lived there then, if they could recall the family. Hmm. So finally, like, which I think is again, that's a lot of devotion because, like, that's a lot of work to it do is that a lot of work. Yeah. So while she was waiting for responses, she ended up um, deciding to take a weekend trip to Ireland. Can you imagine just taking a weekend trip to Ireland? Like, must be nice. It must be real nice. So she took a weekend trip to Ireland because, you know, that's like us going to, like, Georgia. Georgia. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, because she also – she would have done it a long time ago, but she – because she cut back – her main job was to be a mother. Like she was so devoted to her kids. Money was tight. Going away for the weekend was just not an option. So she finally, after all this time of, like, all this research – she decided, all right, I'm going to go for a weekend and see if I can recognize anything. Mm-hmm. So she went there for a weekend, and that Saturday morning she woke up early. She left her hotel that she was at, and she just started walking around town in Malahide. And instinctively, she just knew where to go. She didn't have a, her map with her. She just, she just would walk around. It. She was looking, and she felt like things looked really different from what she had in her memories, but she finally came across the butcher shop and the butcher shop looked the same. So she went inside and she asked the people how long they had been there for and they said they had been there over 50 years. So she knew that they had, that mm-hmm. was the butcher shop that she could remember and that it didn't really change much. Like she remembered, mm-hmm. even though everything around it has changed a lot in 50 years, the butcher shop she could recognize. Wow. So yeah, it's like really wild. And then um, she kept walking, and she came across that church that she remembered. And she actually drew a picture of the church. Like, she had drawn a picture of, like, mm-hmm. from her memories of what it looked like. So she got there, and 
she was surprised because the church was not Catholic and she had felt that Mary was Catholic. Like she remembered walking to church and she just knew that she was Catholic. It could have changed. I don't know. Did churches change? Maybe. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes churches get bought out for, and like they put restaurants and stuff in old churches or. No. Yeah. That happens. Maybe only in Florida where it's like. I don't think like so. Like mega churches. There's no <laughs> way. I can never imagine like a Catholic church being turned into a restaurant like <laughs> an olive garden. I went to one that was a club in Georgia. <laughs> It was like an old church. It felt very blasphemous, but you sinners! <laughs> this has got to be a southern thing. This cannot. This is not a New England yeah, thing. Yeah, it was like a club, and we went there, and like it was an old church. I am speechless. <laughs> I need to Google this place. I don't remember what it was called, but we had tickets for Shaq. Shaq was supposed to DJ, but something ended Shaq? up. Yeah, Shaq is a DJ sometimes. The, Did you like know a that? basketball player? Yeah. This is getting weirder and weirder. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is getting strange. We went to go watch Shaq. He was supposed to DJ at this church, and it was like an old. It looked like an old Catholic church. Where in Georgia? <laughs> in Georgia. Oh, in, jo- in Atlanta. This is so <laughs> weird. I'm blown away. So I've never, these things do happen. I've never. <laughs> in this heard instance, it was turned into a nightclub, <laughs> but I'm sure they turn into other things sometimes. Oh my god, I've. Never never heard of that that i'm my i'm like speechless <laughs> not only is it funny that a church turned into a club but the fact that shaq was the dj yeah i'm a little more hung up on this shaq oh, shaq is a dj sometimes i've yes. never heard that have you ever heard that shaq, no shaq diesel google it i remember shaq had a, a rap album come out back in the day did he really it didn't do very well yeah oh uh, well maybe that's why okay i had I knew nothing of that. That is insane. <laughs> oh my god! Well, the church wasn't Catholic. <laughs> was it a nightclub? It definitely wasn't a nightclub, and Shaq was not there. No. <laughs> Unfortunately, Shaq, I think at this time was still playing basketball, right? <laughs> oh my god! So she went around the side of the church because she um. She wanted to walk, like, she remembered that she would go around the side. There was a path or whatever, and it was closed off, and the path was gone. And she felt, like, surprised. Like, oh, like, Mm -hmm. she was so used to going this way, and there was a path that would take her somewhere else. Like, she was like, okay. and Like, she had that memory and was a little bit taken aback. Like, oh, it's gone now. Mm -hmm. So then she, um, you know, kept walking and exploring the the area and she found herself by the water where she had a memory which she um she got down to the water and i guess i guess it's like by the jetties i've never heard the term jetty until like i read this i guess it's kind of like docks okay okay and she remembered like when she got there she was like it looked really different and she remembered the jetties as being made of wood Mm-hmm. But they weren't anymore. They were, like, newer and more modern. And she was like, hmm. But, but as she stood there, she recognized everything. And she could remember standing there with, like, a small, um, like, blanket around her shoulder or a shawl around her shoulders. And it being really cold. Very picturesque. And she remembers standing there exactly, like, where she was, mm-hmm. waiting for a boat to come back early, early in the morning. 
but she didn't know who she was waiting for. But she had this memory and this like thought, like she knew she had been there. She this knew- sounds very cinematic. <laughs> I know. She knew that she like she knew that she was waiting for somebody. Like she's got the whole feel. Like being there brought mm-hmm. all these feelings back and like this memory back that she knew that she had been there and she remembered that feeling of waiting for somebody, but she couldn't pinpoint it. I know it's very cinematic when you put it out like this. <laughs> make a great movie. Yeah, yeah I'm like movie. imagining her like a shawl, like um, all forlorn, her hair well, flowing a shawl in the wind. As in, like I guess that's what they wore back then. Like those, like yeah, you know, like they didn't wear like I don't know, they just had like those little shawl things they wore. It was back in the day. <laughs> um, then they wear like little shawls on their heads too when it rained. Oh, you yeah. know, a bonnet. Like a, a bonnet. Little, well, not a bonnet, but they also had, like I think that was like Little House on the Prairie. That time. was older, even older. <laughs> but no, you know what I'm talking about like like a little scarf they put on their head. Oh yeah, you know, like Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> so like you know like that little style or whatever. I don't know. It definitely wasn't Hollywood, but. <laughs> Um, and there is a movie, by the way. I'll talk about it later. But yeah, there is a movie. They made a movie out of the book. Mm. Um, so yeah, she did have that memory. And like, again, she just like, part of it was like actual memories and part of it was like feeling. Also, she realized like once she re- like so then she just kept walking around the town. And then as she realized, like when she realized that church wasn't a Catholic church, she, you know, explored more and she did find out that there was a Catholic church. So she went and visited that church and it was called St. Sylvester's. And when she got there, she knew. Like, she felt like, no, this is the church. This is where she used to go. Like, she but just, the memories that she had was of this other she church. She remembered seeing the other church, and mm-hmm. she remembered that path. Like, she knew that she had gone by there a lot. Like, there was mm-hmm. something significant about it, but she didn't know what. Like, she remembered it very clearly. She drew that picture of it. She remembered the path. But she Maybe also just a place that she walked by often. But also, she knew that she didn't attend that church. Like mm. she knew deep down, like I'm Catholic. This isn't my church. So when she like decided to look into like, all right, well, where are the Catholic churches are in here? When she found one, she was like, "This is the church I went to." Like she was sure. She felt it. She knew. Like this is where I used to go. Where are the Catholic people at? <laughs> where are my Catholics at? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Peace be with you. And also with you. That's how it was at the club church. (laughs) Shut the fuck up. Was it really? No. (laughs) You had Shaq on the mic. Where are my Catholics at? Where are my Catholic people at? (laughs) Can I get an amen? (laughs) Oh, you shut the fuck up. Shocked. Like, don't even. I can't take anymore. I have to to show you. You Shaq is a DJ sometimes. No, I don't want to see Shaq. I want to see that club. You need to find that club. Oh, my God. That we'll have to put on our Instagram along with. With a picture of Shaq DJ. Oh, my God. That is so funny. See, he's a DJ sometimes. I didn't know that. Oh, my God. DJ Diesel. Oh. Diesel? Okay. Shaq Diesel, yeah. <laughs> that is hilarious. I don't know what it was called, though. I would have to do some serious digging to find out what the name of that, that place is was. That is random. Maybe Just Google, like, like... Church Club. Church Club. Georgia. <laughs> oh, God. The things that will pop up. In <laughs> 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 the Bible Belt. <laughs> Everyone's getting right with Jesus. <laughs> 
So as she walked around the town, as you're looking up the church, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> she decided she wanted to try and find the cottage. So she went to that Swords Road and was walking, but she couldn't find the cottage. Like it, She just couldn't place it. And she couldn't find it. Um, when she got back home, she had realized that she had received some letters back. And she received a letter um, from a man who remem- remembered the family that lived on that road and had a mother named Mary and eight children, but the name wasn't O'Neill. He remembered the last name being Sutton. So, and that they lived in a cottage owned by a man named Mr. Mahone. So now that she had the correct last name and like, or a different last name to work on. And she also, after being there, found that church. Um, she decided to write to that church to see if there was any records for a Mary Sutton instead of a Mary O'Neill. And, you know, gave the number of children to see if she had any children and if they had any records. She also decided to um, make contact with Mr. Mahone to see if he would, you know, if what he knew about it. So eventually the priest from that church actually wrote back to her and gave her a list of six of Mary's children, their names and date of birth. Oh, wow. He sent her Jeffrey, who was born in 1923, Philonoma, who was born in 1925, Christopher, who was born in 1926, Francis, who was born in 1928, Bridget, who was born in 1929, and the youngest, Elizabeth, who was born in 1932, which, Uh if you recall, she always named her dolls Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. So... With all that information, she was just, like, over the moon. She finally had a real last name. She finally had the names of the kids. She decided to start looking for the children. And she, even though it was only six kids, she was kind of confused by that because she was pretty sure there was eight. Like, she Mm -hmm. remembered there being more. So when she had reached out to Mr. Mahone, he actually wrote back to her, and she had asked him about Mm -hmm. what happened to the children. Like... You know, did a woman named Mary who died in the 30s and had a bunch of kids, like, what happened to the kids? He wrote back and told her that, yes, there was a family there with the last name Sutton, that the mother died in the 30s, and that the children um, all went to orphanages afterward. Mm. And that there were two older ones. Like, the oldest girl's name was Mary, after her, and the oldest boy's name was Sonny. And that... Sonny stayed with the father because he could work and take care of things, but the other Mm -hmm. kids were all shipped out to orphanages. Mm. So after that, she started looking up all the orphanages in that area and writing to them asking around 1932, did you get any children? You know, like she was trying to find which orphanage. Now, the sad thing is like a lot of them were closed down. But she lucked out, and one of the orphanages that she reached out to was about to close down in Mm -hmm. one month. He's like, if you had reached out Mm -hmm. a month later, he would not have been able to give her this information. Wow. But I guess the boys and the girls got separated. And the boys went one place, and the girls went to another home. So they didn't see each other again, the boys and the girls. And that um, she ended up getting the information of, like, what happened to the three boys. And... Getting, I don't care. I mean, she had Sonny's. Oh, that's the other thing. Sorry, I forgot. When she talked to Mr. Mahone, he told her the kids went to orphanages. Sonny stayed, but eventually Mary did go back to the house Hmm. and moved back in, like after a few years. 
to their old home? To their old home. Like, she was sent out to an orphanage, but then she ended up coming back, like, I guess after she got to a certain age. Oh, Mary's she old enough to daughter. buy yeah, it? Yeah, after Mary, the mother died, all the kids got split up except for Sonny, the oldest, who stayed with the father. Mm-hmm. And then I think Sonny eventually went into the military. That's mm-hmm. how he got out. And uh, because the father, just after she died... The state actually took them away because he just wasn't able to care for them. He wasn't. He was not a kind man. Hmm. He drank a lot. <clears throat> he was unable to care for the kids, and the state took the kids and put them in homes. So but Mary like came back and bought her old house. She didn't buy. They were still there. Was she still just her- went back home for a while. I think she oh. ended up getting married and like moving on. But she's the only one. Like he, this is just what she learned from the neighbors. Like Mister Mahone mm-hmm. owned the property. Remembered. The kids got shipped out. Eventually, Mary, the oldest daughter, did come back. So hmm. she's, you know, just the little bits and pieces. She was just trying to put together everything to see what happened to the kids. So she started doing her research. She started looking in the phone books. She ended up um, writing to, I think it was Jeffrey. Or she wrote to a few Suttons. She was looking for Suttons. Mm-hmm. And one of the letters she got back, or a phone call she got back, was from her son, Jeffrey. Like, he just wrote back, like, because he was curious, like, she's, like, just asking, do you, are you related to this family? Like, she just kind of gave the details of what she knew, wondering if they were related to this family, that she was trying to get contact with the kids. So him and his children called her back, and they were trying to be, like, why, you know, like, he's, like, yeah, that was my mother, what do you, you know, like, Mm -hmm. why are you trying to look for us? So she explained it. To them, because she knew it was a long shot. It's me, your mama. <laughs> it's your mom. But she was like, I mean, she she did, she was stressing horribly over how am I going to... That has to be very hard to explain. Like, like, how do you tell this to somebody? Yeah. Well, she was stressing horribly. Like, how am I supposed to even approach this? You know? So she just, like, kind of left it like, these are the memories I used to have. I'm not saying... She didn't say, like, I'm your mother, but she was just <laughs> yeah. like... Ever since I was a child, like she just kind of went over like her whole journey of like what she was doing and like kind of left it up to them to interpret what they wanted, if they wanted, you know, mm-hmm. like. So like he talked to her, but I think he he gave her Sonny, the older brother, because I guess a few years prior to her reaching out, the three older boys found each other and had met with each other. So he gave her Sonny's information, and um, after they had that one conversation he didn't call back and he didn't want to really keep going but she reached out to Sonny the oldest son the one that was 13 stayed mm-hmm. with the father and he called her back and he was more open minded to it like first he called because she didn't really flat out say in the letter she just say I was looking you know for the mm-hmm. family this that whatever and he when he asked her why she explained to him like she did to the other one and he he was like quiet and reserved, but he listened and he had questions. And like the more they would talk, the more he was like, he was believing her because she was telling him like the intimate details. Like mm-hmm. she talked about that time. She's like, I mean, it, I can't remember. They went back and forth, but she told him about that memory she had of the kids catching a rabbit. Mm-hmm. And he was like, how do you know that? Because, like, how would any random stranger, like, even if you Google somebody, how are you going to know that intimate detail of, like, you and your siblings catching a rabbit and running to get your mom and it still being alive? Mm-hmm. And then he let it go. You know what I mean? Like, he was shocked. So, like, eventually they, they talked on the phone a bit and then they did eventually meet up. Mm-hmm. And when they met up, like, the more they talked and the more she shared, he believed her. He feels that she was... 
Mary. His mother. Like, mm-hmm. re- he's like, I-, I don't know. Like, he didn't believe in reincarnation, but he was like, I feel like this is real. Like, because she knew so many intimate details about it. He really accepted it. And, like... And now she's younger than all her kids, right? Yeah. <laughs> but she said that it was weird because when she met them, like, or met him, she still had, like, even though she had this motherly feeling toward them, this protective feeling. Mm-hmm. Like, she really feels like these are my children. Yeah. She loves her real children who she has in this life and those are her kids. But she said it's a really weird feeling of she still feels like those are her children too. Mm-hmm. Like that dual life I talked about, that living in a parallel yeah. life. Oh, no, it's weird. So she met with him. They talked. I mean, they ended up having a, like, a good relationship. Eventually... She kind of left it up to the others. Like, he kind of was the in-between to talk mm-hmm. to them. Um, it took some time. I think Jeffrey never wanted to, like, be part of it. It's it. too weird for him, It probably. was too weird, yeah. And then um, she did eventually, because the, they had never found the sisters. That was something she was like, I want to find the girls. Like, where are they? And she did. She actually wrote one of the things she did. She wrote a letter and a story to the newspaper, and they, and they published it. And she was like, this is what's going on. I'm looking for this family. And she put all the details. She didn't say, these are my dreams. She just mm-hmm. said, I'm looking for. And if anyone knows this family, you know, the boys got separated and went to this orphanage. The girls went to that orphanage. These are the names. Well, I think it was Philonoma <clears throat> who saw the newspaper mm-hmm. and reached out to her. So she ended up getting contact with the girls. And I, I can't remember exactly how... I think Philonoma somehow had um, met with Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. So, like, she ended up meeting almost all the children. She did find out that Mary had died at 24 in a Aww. car accident. So she died young. So Do we know anything about the other two? Because she got the information for six of them. But remember she said she felt like there was two The more? older two, that was Sonny and Mary. Those were the older oh. two. The other six are the names she got. When she reached out, she made contact with Jeffrey, who gave her Sonny's information. She ended up reaching oh, out to all the gotcha. kids. Because Sonny, for the boys, was the contact. When she put that ad in the newspaper of, like, this is, you know, looking for this family and put all the details, that's when Philonoma reached out. Mm-hmm. And then she got in touch with Elizabeth. And found out that Mary was, you know, deceased. She found that out through Sunny. But, like, mm-hmm. she ended up meeting with, like, all the kids. And, wow. like, they ended up just having... Um, oh, when she met with Sunny, too, she sat down. She talked with him. And, like, obviously she shared what she remembered. And he talked about how he stayed with the father. Because she was more curious. She really wanted to know about the marriage and the father and the relationship. Because she always had that weird feeling. She had that feeling of fear. She had that mm-hmm. feeling of not being able to, like, care for her kids. And he did say that he was a... Dr- like, she found out that he he was abusive to her and that he was a drunk and, like, he couldn't care for the kids and that's why he couldn't wait to, like... He joined the military to get away and it was tough. He said, like, after she died, that was... She was their rock. She was, like... The she whole, held it all together. She held it all together and they needed her so much. And Aww. that after she did die, he was not able to care for them. So her Mm -hmm. worry was very validated because she knew that would happen. Mm -hmm. And um, they ended up having, like, a really close relationship and always keeping in touch. Like, even after all this, they all Mm -hmm. kept in touch. And she ended up going back to the hospital, too, that she, like, Mm -hmm. she remembered. And she went into the room because she always remembered one window. 
And when she went to the bed that she was in, she realized, because there were two windows in the room and she only remembered one, when she went to the bed that she remembered and laid in it, she realized you could only see one window Mm. from the bed. Wow. From that angle. Which is so spooky. Mm -hmm. That, to me, I don't know why, but that was, like, eerie to me. And there were, like, other, like, I've got some pictures, too, of, which I'll put on our Instagram, of her meeting the kids. Like, I got a picture of her and Sunny together and a picture of all the kids together. Some of them believe in the reincarnation thing, and some of them just feel like their mother's spirit is reaching them through her. Yeah. Like, it's just easier for them to believe it I that way. I can see how either one would Yeah, be. I mean, who knows what the truth is? I mean, yeah. I say easier to believe, but, like, because I believe in reincarnation. But if you don't believe in that, you might just believe. Because she went to, like, a priest because she was like, how do I approach this? Like, she asked a priest's opinion, yeah. and he was like, you know, yes, it's not part of the Catholic belief, but I there are miracles and there are things that happen, and I do believe you, but, mm-hmm. like, I, I think a, a priest said to her, like, maybe it's just her spirit... Re- reaching through you you know like there's just different mm-hmm. ways of looking at it but clearly the preacher's like clearly something's happening <laughs> like i totally believe your whole theory well, she doesn't the, look too much different than than this like, yeah i know and that's what they said there are similarities like in how she moves and her mannerisms like huh. basically there is some things that are just like interesting as she talks and moves that are a lot like their mother wow yeah and like it's funny how you know, so interesting. So that's just you know one of my stories. That this is one of my favorite. Like this book, I was so into when I first mm-hmm. read. It. I was like, oh my god, I really. It was just really detailed, but it is very detailed. Yeah, and she also has other books where she, um, like I said, there are other things in here, like the whole like the psychic ability. Like she, um, she wrote another book, like across. What's it? This is across time and death. Oh, the movie that the original book, I guess, in the UK was Yesterday's Children. So the movie is called, it's like a Lifetime movie, mm-hmm. it's called Yesterday's Children. Ooh. I guess the, um, the version here, like when they printed it over here, is Across Time and Death. And then she has another book that I just read. I can't remember the title. But um, basically it's just more detailed because she also, as she did that whole like past life regression thing with that guy, he also was doing like a study on like going forward for like future. Because mm-hmm. there's also, if you have ever looked into hypnosis and past life regression there were some people who believe that you can go into the future Hmm. and she had recalled a few lives like that she she actually recalled a few other lives too and she goes into more detail about past lives that she's had and Mm -hmm. she did more research and like she found connections like other lives other than mary yes that she um ended up recalling under hypnosis so she goes in, in the other book she goes into that more and then she also talks about how like Sometimes she would dream and, like, then things would happen. And it, she goes into that more. It's a little bit more like, this is really cool. That other book, it might make you go, okay, this is enough. But, <laughs> but it's an interesting concept. Yeah. Thought, because, like, I'm not going to lie. Like, this whole, like, deja vu. I've had dreams. Or, like, and I don't even remember them. And then all of a sudden, like, you're sitting there doing something. And you're like, I've done this before. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. I've had the feeling. Well, I've been in the car and been like, I know what you're going to say. Like, I know what you're going to say. And I'm like, oh, my God, I dreamed this. Like, I remember the conversation. Mm-hmm. And then, but it's only, like, a clip. And then you're like, that was a weird deja vu moment. Granted, what fucking use is it? Because it's, like, a random, <laughs> It already like, happened. Like, I want a large fry. You stole my cookie. Like, cool. I'm glad I had a premonition of that. <laughs> like, 
or whatever. And I didn't even remember it until it actually happened. You know, like, I was like, like oh, what wait. would I ever done without that? Yeah, like, <laughs> I've had moments where I'm like, oh no, like deja vu. I've definitely done this or had a dream about this. So like, I think, and I also am a believer in like the whole parallel, not time travel, but like feeling like we're all in like these weird loops, like mm-hmm. time loops. You know what I mean? Like sometimes our ghosts really... Ghosts? I've heard or, interesting stories about yeah, that Yeah, or are they like that whole passing time thing? Like somehow we just linked up and that's why we can see each other. Or, mm-hmm. you know, like, I don't know. It's like the ripple, like ripples in time type thing. So that's one. I don't know. It's just something to think about. I don't know. This book really, I don't know, kind of hit home. Also, I feel like, like I said, I believe in reincarnation. Like mm-hmm. I've had dreams. Like there's, I had an experience. Like I was in high school. And I had this dream. My kids are like, Mom, you need to tell this on your podcast. Because so, <laughs> I've shared it with them, obviously, and they're, like, totally into it. But I remember I had a dream one time, and I was, like, running in the woods. Like, like running, like, for my life. And so I could see, like, it was dark. I was going down, like, this path. It was, like, a wooded area. And I remember just being, like, in, like, my underwear, and, like, but looking down at my body, and, again, in high school, I weighed, like, maybe 110 pounds. So, looking at my body, I'm like, I have a fat ass. Like, it wasn't my body. Like, it was, mm-hmm. like, a much bigger body. Like, bigger hips, bigger thighs. I remember, like, even though, like, I mean, I'm running for my life. Like, I was terrified. Like, the fear, the, like, in the level of fear I was feeling was, like, like I, I can't even describe it. Like, I was really afraid and running mm-hmm. like, seriously for my life. And I could hear behind me, like I knew I was running from somebody, and I could hear behind me a carriage that had bells on it. And I could hear the bells, and I could hear the carriage and the horse. And then I remember, like, in the dream, like, all of a sudden, like, because, again, I don't always really remember my dreams, but this is a dream I remember because it was, like, so, the feelings were so intense. And then, like, I remember being in a house and finally feeling safe. And I was dressed, and I went to, like, in the house, there was, like, all my furniture had, like, had white sheets or, like, blankets over it. Mm-hmm. Like, I hadn't been there for a long time. And then I walked to the fireplace, and above it, there was a mirror. And when I looked in the mirror, like, I was doing all of this. Like, it was mm-hmm. my body. I'm walking and looking. And when I looked at my reflection, it wasn't me who I am now. It was an older woman we had like a longer face. She was homely, okay? Like I remember being like, ooh, <laughs> like she was not attractive. And my hair was so short, like it had been cut off mm-hmm. and dark and curly, but really, really, because for the time, it was not like okay to have short hair. Yeah, women had long hair. And it felt like, oh my God, my hair's gone. But looking, I was more surprised that like I was, this is me, but it wasn't me. Like I had. I, I I can see what I looked like in, in like my mind's eye, but like mm. I can't. I was like probably like forty, mm. and then all of a sudden I heard the carriage like coming down like a, a road, like a cobblestone road type thing. Mm-hmm. I could hear the bells, and I got that fear again, and I hid under a chair that had a blanket on it. And then I heard like a man come in, like I could hear walking, and then I felt behind me. Like, I got shot in the back of the head, and that's when I woke up. And when I woke up, my heart was beating so fast, I thought I was having heart. Like, I've never felt chest pain mm-hmm. and fear. Like, when I woke up, I couldn't even move. I couldn't even move. Like, I laid there like, oh, my God, I'm having a heart attack. 
Who and then, oh my gosh. What did you do? <laughs> but the weird thing, like, so I'm not saying that's definitely. Maybe but, you were a witch. Or I was just, I don't know who it was, but I feel like that was like the way I could feel all of that in that dream. And mm-hmm. I never remember my dreams. Like, never. I wake up, like, I remember being a little bit, what did you dream about? I'm like, I don't dream. Because I just don't yeah, really remember don't it. Really remember or like, if I do remember, it goes away. But that's a dream I've never forgotten because of the, like, I, I woke up with such, like, my heart was beating so hard. I've never had my heart beat that hard. And I was mm-hmm. so afraid. And I just laid there because I couldn't even move. I think I had a little bit of sleep paralysis. <laughs> but, like, I just laid there thinking about it. Like, what the fuck was that? It, like, screwed me up. I was, like, totally wigged out. Like, that was the weirdest dream I've ever had in my life. But I do feel like that's got to be, like, some sort of weird past life memory thing. Or, like... Maybe. I mean, I can't know for sure. But, like, it was weird. It was really weird. So, like, Hmm. having that dream, like, reading, I was like, I I get to a certain, not to the level she's got. But, like, (laughs) just understanding, like, that was weird. And having a dream being, like, that's... That's not just, you know, a dream. I don't know. I kind of, mm. I believe in it. So that's my story. Very, very interesting. <laughs> I'm totally into it. I've got a lot more, but we'll, we'll save that for definitely another time. <laughs> I'm curious but, how I would feel if I had someone call me and say, hey, I was your mom. <laughs> I know. I'd and be now like, I'm younger than you. Yeah. Well, so, I'd be like, I need some more proof. Yeah. Or you're insane. Well, I mean, where I was. She had the stories, but that's and the anecdotes thing. to back it up. I mean, me as me now. I mean, I'm really, I'm pretty open minded. So I'd be like, yeah, tell me more. But like, <laughs> if I wasn't open minded and where I'm at, like, I have. How do you react to that? You know, like, even how do you even approach it? Like, it's really mm. weird. Yeah. But. Well, great story. Thanks. Good job. Thank you. Well, I guess we're just going to wrap it up for today. Um, you can reach out to us at MostlyMacabrePod at gmail.com. And MostlyMacabrePodcast at Instagram. Yes. And we hope you keep listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.